Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. All right. Even if you're not in your car, I'm going to ask you to fasten your seatbelt, buckle up your chin strap, and we're going to take you through where we are following President Biden's announcement last week uh, regarding vaccine mandates could affect up to 100 million people. A mandate that was supposed to be about health uh, came through OSHA. We'll talk about that. Many Republicans, of course, have come out against it, including Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Uh, But the way they're opposing it leaves some people uh, scratching their heads a little bit. And so we're going to go into the wacky world of how in the world did we get here? Okay, so let's back this up a little bit. If you uh, weren't following the news closely over the last uh, few days, the president announced in a speech to the nation uh, some mandate orders. Uh, that uh, really the most aggressive effort yet uh, by the administration to get the coronavirus pandemic under control. Of course, many immediately came out and said, uh, hey, this is just big time overreach uh, because the the rule, this was not a law, uh, the president cited a new rule, an emergency rule that would come not from Health and Human Services, not from the CDC, but from the Labor Department, it's a rule, uh, which just doesn't add up in a lot of places. Uh, that's a big-time overreach uh, when it comes to how things are supposed to be done. If there needs to be a law uh, in terms of those kinds of things, that's Congress's duty. That is not the executive branch's duty. Uh, and so, uh, again, there was a lot of debate, a lot of analysis back and forth in terms of you know what that means, how that's going to play out. Of course, businesses are worried. Uh, any business that has uh, over 99 employees uh, would have to require that or there'd be penalties and testing and all of those kinds of things. But to do this through the labor department really had a lot of people scratching their heads. Uh, now let's uh, let's go into the even weirder world of the Republican response to that. So yesterday in the House of Representatives, uh, Representative Tom McClintock, Republican from California, uh, he was not having it with uh, the president's announcement that a rule would be uh, laid out by the Labor Department. And so Representative McClintock proposed an amendment that would defund the vaccine mandate. And I would just note here that mandate, that rule, 
has actually not been written yet by the Labor Department. But we know it's coming from the Labor Department. That's what the president told the country. So so now we're arguing over a rule that is yet to be written about health coming through labor. And the Republican response is to say we're going to defund that mandate in the Judiciary Committee of the United States House. <laughs> Which, of course, everyone looks to as the place where we should deal with these kinds of things relating to a pandemic. Uh, even worse than that, take it one step further, uh, in the Judiciary Committee, he put it into a budget reconciliation process, which I'm not even going to get into because that's just way too complicated. So that measure was voted down by all the Democrats, uh, who are, of course, in the majority on that committee. So they opposed it. So Uh, That effort uh, by Representative McClintock goes down in flames. So this morning when we all woke up, we were still under the declaration from the president that we would have a special rule from the Labor Department mandating vaccines still yet to be written. So it still doesn't exist, but it has been declared. And uh, many businesses, many employees uh, are already trying to figure out all the ramifications of that and uh, where that overreach lies. But not to be outdone today, the Republicans uh, continue to try to figure out a way to uh, delay or stop that from happening under the administration. And so Representative Thomas Massey, Republican from Kentucky, uh, he uh, tweeted today (laughs) that uh, Biden refuses to say whether he will try to mandate unconstitutional vaccine passports. Uh, In doing that, he said that today... He will offer an amendment to deal with this. And which committee do you think that would be? Are we back to health and human services? No. Are we anything dealing with health or CDC? No. Representative Massey is going to offer an amendment today in the Transportation Committee to prohibit funding of those vaccination passports or portals. And so now we're dealing with the pandemic in the Transportation Committee. So if your head's spinning just a little bit, uh, mine's semi-exploding, that this is no way to run a government. (laughs) This is not a good day for the republic, where you have a president not even doing an executive order, but passing the buck over to an agency, an executive branch agency, labor, (laughs) to come up with a rule impacting health. And the Republicans, two shots back to try to thwart that effort was to make a proposal to defund those activities in the Judiciary Committee as part of a budget reconciliation process and an amendment in the Transportation Committee to prohibit that funding as well. So that's where we are. Uh, And that's why there's so little trust in government right now. Uh, And even if you think about this, we've been talking since early this year about transportation and infrastructure bills that have yet to be passed. And in those bills, of course, we've now pretty much declared that Anything and everything is infrastructure. So I was actually surprised that the administration did not go straight to the infrastructure bill to make the vaccine mandate. Uh, but they didn't. They went to the Labor Department uh, to make that. And the Demo- and the Republicans are countering that effort 
uh, by putting in proposals in the Judiciary Committee and the Transportation Committee. And so we come full circle. We're back to infrastructure and roads. And what are those and what does that really mean? Uh, And so here's the sad part of all of that is that it continues to undermine the confidence of the American people of the government to do their job. And that's what members of the House and the Senate need to do. That's what the administration needs to do. And we can get to the right answers. But the problem is our elected officials are all all saying, trust me, trust us, trust this, trust that. And what they really ought to do is they ought to trust the American people with the right information delivered in the right way. The American people can do that. We have done it throughout our history. But now we allow everything to be so politicized and so weaponized that it's hard to have a real conversation about anything anymore. And we have to do better. We have to elevate the conversation. We have to demand that no, Mr. President, whether people agree or disagree with the policy on vaccines, there's still a process. The process matters. And when we short-circuit the process, the trust level goes down. And then when you have to make adjustments and changes, as I've said before, this is a novel coronavirus, meaning we don't know. And because we don't know, we should state what we do know. And then as new information comes in, we should say, oh, we learned something today. And based on that, we're going to make an adjustment or we're going to propose this change or that change. But everyone has become so hunkered down, so dug in, so filled with contempt with anybody who disagrees that it becomes impossible to have the conversation. And let's remember why we have these conversations. We don't have them for politics. We don't have them for theater. We don't have them for cable news. We have these conversations because we want outcomes for the American people. And if we can't get back to what the outcome needs to be, it's going to be very difficult to have the right question. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.